and John Bunn and his work, Double Duty Today, as well as our, all our electronics folks. Without their help, uh, we couldn't, I couldn't pull this off for sure. Uh, and so we give thanks for each of their participation. Uh, as well, I want to lift up Alan Johnston. You've got a new little one, so give congratulations there to them. A new baby boy, so sorry to embarrass you, but we just, we're happy for you and Jennifer and our prayers are with you guys, so uh, send Jennifer our love for sure. As we look to scripture this morning, we're starting a new series on the blessed life. What does the blessed life look like? Is it about how much stuff we have or could it be about something else? And so to help us in this journey, we're looking to Luke's gospel. Luke talks more about sort of the Jesus's view of the blessed life than any other gospel, in particular, our call to make a difference through our blessings. And so we're going to start that journey today for the next few weeks, starting in chapter 12 in the 13th verse. And uh, here we see uh, what, uh, what we may find. This is at the peak of sort of Jesus's ministry. He's got big crowds following him around. Everybody's excited about it. And there's a young guy in the audience who thinks Jesus might be able to help him out. And so this is how the story goes. Now someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And so he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? So this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me today? Come, Lord Jesus, uh, be in our conversation. Work in our hearts. Help us reflect on how rich we are toward you. And Lord, help us think eternally in the ways that we can live our life in such a way that um, we will have treasure in heaven. And I pray that you'll lead us into that blessed life starting today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen, guys, I know how often life starts out for all of us. You know, I can think back to being a young teenager and you think, if I could just have this, or if I could just have more of that, 
then my life would be complete. You know, when we're in high school, if I could just be the all-star soccer athlete. By the way, I didn't get there anywhere close. You know, then I'd be happy. Or if I could just make really good grades and get a great degree from Georgia Tech. Now, I was able to do that, but still, I wanted something more. Maybe later on, it's, could I find the perfect job and make a lot of money? Or find the best girlfriend or the best boyfriend and make that work? And, and I was able to do that. But still, there's something inside us that longs for more and more and more. You know, once if we make that first $100,000, we want 500000 If we make 500000 we want a million. If we get the million, we want 10 million. If we get 10, we want 100 million. There is a craving in us that we think, if I can just get more, then my life will be blessed. I'll be happy and everything will be perfect. But no matter how much we get, Sooner or later, we must realize in the emptiness that that is not true. And it's in that spirit that Jesus has this interaction with a young man 2,000 years ago. This guy hoped that Jesus could solve his problem. His family member had died recently. His brother had been in charge of the estate and he is hoping that Jesus can make sure his brother shares with him fairly over the death of their loved ones. And Jesus kind of refuses. He says, who are you to try to make me a judge? I've got other things to do besides figure out who gets what money in your family. And so, instead, Jesus counters this young man's thinking. You see, this young man had thought that if I could just get part of that estate, then my life would be better. You see, he craved a blessing. He craved a blessing. The problem is, is when we are hungry and when we crave a blessing, we are least likely to get it, to receive it, and to live it. So Jesus' very first principle in living the best life is this— Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of covetousness and greed. And then his second lesson is this. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And that's a tough lesson for some of us to learn. You know, some of us, we just, in this day and age, in kind of our, our culture of materialism, right, can lead us to spend money we don't have, to buy things we don't need, to fill up a hole in our soul that won't be filled. And we just keep doing that over and over and over again. Money we don't have to Amazon or to Walmart or Target or wherever, all to try to fill a hole that can't be filled. Jesus instead points us in a different direction and says, if you want a blessed life, you've got to guard yourself from greed and covetousness. You have to guard your heart from craving a blessing. Because if you're craving, if you're grasping, if you're holding, 
And if you're saying it's mine and nobody else's, it will not be a blessing, it will be death. I think that's one of the reasons why I said one of my favorite series is Lord of the Rings. I'm enjoying the new uh, Amazon version that they spent a ton of money on. Uh, but I love the story. You know, this, this one little ring, it's my precious but it's so precious, it destroys Gollum. It wants to destroy Frodo. It destroys whoever tries to grab. And that's that greed. That's that covetous desire that we think if I could just have more, then it would be enough. But it's not. And so we need to learn some lessons from this in our lives. One of the areas where I see this greed, this craving the most, is in our sort of our willingness to put our lives, our families, and all of us in debt. You know, in America, there are many folks and many of us that we struggle with debt significantly, right? That may start with sort of good intentions. Coming out of high school, you want to go to college, you don't know any other way to do it, and so you take out a student loan, and we see so many struggling in paying off their student loans, and frankly, I think the way they're designed is probably set up for people to really struggle. They're not, they're not set up, one, I saw one comment, they're not set up like home loans. You can't go and pay off your loan quickly like you can a home loan. They kind of stick you a bit. And I think that's part of the rub as we talk about these things. But anyway, you get stuck with that loan and then you get out of school and then you got to get a car loan and a house loan and some of that's okay, but then you got to, fill your house or fill your apartment with stuff, and so you begin to max out a credit card. There was a study several years ago that the average family had about $15,000 on their credit card that was just sitting there, you know, paying off 14% a year in interest. Brothers and sisters, that's a kind of greed, and, and what Proverbs says 2,500 years ago, the book of Proverbs tells us that our debt enslaves us to the lender. So there is still slavery in the modern day and modern age, and that slavery is our debt. And there is some good debt. Debt for a house is usually pretty good debt as long as you stay reasonable and don't max it out. Now, in today's market, you've had to max it out, I know. But, but healthy debt's okay, but... But we've got, when debt gets out of hand, we become slaves to that debt. And so one of the words I want to encourage you today is, if that's where you see yourself, there is a way out. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. Lord, give me my daily bread. As we let the Lord give us our daily bread, if we're willing to work and find ways to tighten our belts for a year or two and say, we are going to knock this debt out and knock it down, you can get to a place of freedom in your finances. And that's where the Lord wants us all to be. Because when we are free, we are less likely to cling to all we have. And so some lessons from this. One is a lesson from Mother Teresa who talks about our relationship to wealth and money. This is what she says. Riches and money do not make us rich. What makes us rich is our attachment to them. You see, God gives us things 
to share. God doesn't give us things to hold. And so the more we learn to share, the more we come to know each other, and we will love one another. And if we love one another, we will be able to share the joy of what we have. You see, Mother Teresa found the blessing of a rich life that wasn't about money, but was about finding ways to share love, to share hope, to share encouragement, and to share our possessions with each other, to be a blessing for all. St. Augustine also gives us a word on this in his area. Uh, St. Augustine was 400 AD, one of the greatest Christian minds, and this is what he says about these verses. Jesus said, I have come to gather, not to scatter. And I say to you, guard against all greed, because greed wants to divide, just as love desires to gather. What is the significance of guard against all greed? Unless it is fill yourselves with love. Fill yourselves with love. Brothers and sisters, I have had the privilege of being with families during a lot of times, their moments of greatest grief and sadness, uh, the death of a loved one. And what breaks my heart more than anything in those circumstances is I've seen moments where families will go at each other for the inheritance. They will steal, they will empty uh, you know, a grandparent's bank account because they think that inheritance is theirs as kids or grandkids or whoever it is. And it divides up the family. It harms the family. It breaks it down. And it's just a terrible tragedy that all is from this thought that we can make a blessing just from money. But that's not the blessing. The blessing it's like what Mother Teresa says. It's to come to a place of love and sharing. And so just to make sure we get it, Jesus doesn't stop there, but he adds an extra parable and gives us a story to kind of show us the way. In this story, there's a rich man who owns lots of property. And in owning that property, he's had a great harvest and wants to figure out how to use this harvest in a way that, will, uh, that, that he can live off on for the rest of his, well, he thinks it's going to be a long life, but it doesn't end up being a long life, does it? And this story reminds me of one of the popular TV shows on now, and that's the show Yellowstone. Anybody watch the show? Saw some Yellowstone fans out there? It's got Kevin Costner, right? Kevin Costner is John Dutton, and he is the head of a huge ranch out at Yellowstone just a huge, he's like powerful and, you know, beats up all the neighbors who are bad and all that kind of stuff. But he loves his property. He loves what he owns. And there's a vignette of the story where one time he was driving down the road on his property and he saw there a tour bus from Asia. And a bunch of folks from uh, like Japan or Korea or somewhere were out and they had gotten into his fence, and in his fence there was this grizzly bear eating lunch in his pasture. 
he's like, what are these people doing? He gets out his shotgun. He runs out there. He goes, what are you guys doing? Are you crazy? This bear is going to eat you. And the tour guide's like, he looks friendly enough. <laughs> Say, no, get back, get back. You know, this bear, this bear could, he's not that friendly. He could be your lunch or you could be his lunch. And then he turns and talks to him and, and tries to tell him, you know, that, that they're on his property. He says, you see that fence down there? I own that fence. You see the fence behind that fence way over there? That fence is mine too. You see this mountain back here? That's my mountain. All this is my property, and you guys are trespassing. Now, at this, uh, there's some humor in the crowd, and they start laughing, and, and the guy goes to the, the tour guide who can speak English. What are they saying? What are they saying? And she says, well, they just, they, they don't believe you that you own all this. Because this one guy says, if you own all this, then you must want to share it with others. And that makes John Dutton really mad. He goes, he shoots off his gun and sends everybody running back to the tour bus. And right there, the guy that said that he ought to be sharing his land with other people is stuck in his barbed wire fence. And he turns and says to him, listen, this is America. And in America, we don't share our property. And then off they go. Now, uh, you know, John Dutton may have some good reason. You know, he's trying to protect his property from casinos and all sorts of other stuff. But it still points the picture a lot like this fella here. This guy who tears down his barns to build bigger barns. And I don't know if you noticed, but in these three verses of this little parable, Jesus tells the story by using the word I and my at least in the Greek at least in the Greek it was about 13 times I and my 13 times in just these little three verses I'll say to myself this is my grain what am I going to do with my grain I'll tear down my barns with big bigger barns I'll say to my soul soul just relax eat drink be merry it's all about me and what this is for me. But here Jesus reminds us that life, we can't live life at that level. Because every day is a gift, and every breath we have is a gift, and every moment, it's a gift. And just when we think we have everything we need, we may end up being face to face with the God of the universe. And he'll be asking us, Who's going to get it now? Because we can't take it with us. He says, you fool, your life is demanded of you. Who will get your stuff now? And so Jesus concludes his lesson with this last phrase. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Jesus tells us, where the blessed life is really found. The blessed life is found in learning how to be rich toward God. Now, what does that look like? Well, one lesson that would be implicit for any Jewish person as he shares this story is that the rich man didn't even consider or think about the Jewish tithe. 
You know, every Jew would know that 10% of their crops would need to go to the temple. And that temple crops would bless the temple ministry, would bless the work of the Lord in Israel and beyond. And so, uh, you know, in the story, this guy, he is not even thinking about the tithe. And it's the tithe that was to bless God's work in Israel, to keep God active and, and God using that for his glory. But then in addition, there's a second piece here, and that is to be rich towards God means sharing with those who need it most. Brothers and sisters, whether you make $20,000 a year or $100,000 a year, most of us are much wealthier than 70, 80% of the planet. 70, 80% of the planet are living on a couple of bucks a day for their lives. We are truly blessed. And so how can we be rich toward God? One of the ways is to remember God's call on us to help bless others. St. Augustine talks about what kind of storehouses we want to have if we're going to have storehouses that, are, that make God wealthy. This is what he says. St. Augustine says, he did not realize, that is, that the rich man did not realize that the bellies of the poor were much safer storerooms than his barns. What he was stowing away in those barns was perhaps even being stolen away by thieves. But if he had stowed it away in the bellies of the poor, it would, of course, be digested on earth. But in heaven, it would be kept there all the more safely. The redemption of a man's soul is in his riches. The redemption of a man's soul is his riches. And here, Augustine says this in several other places, and I think what he's saying is our redemption is not in our money. Our redemption is in sharing what God gives us in ways that blesses others, especially those in need. And so, you know, our work is work um, putting in water pumps in Africa, building houses in Haiti, building latrines in Honduras or Guatemala. Those kind of works are works of investment that show our richness toward God that will bless us in eternity. And that's one of the reasons why during our, uh, our sort of fall financial stewardship month here, you know, one of the ways that we as a church want to help do our part as well is by getting the debt paid on our new facility, getting that paid down. Because just like in families, our debt keeps us from doing as much good as we could do. Imagine if we could take that several thousand dollar banknote that we pay for our preschool and youth space, if we could take that six or seven thousand dollars and instead invest it in kingdom mission work, in doing incredible things in Africa or in Asia or in the Middle East. How awesome would that be? And y'all, we're glad for this facility. The new facility continues to minister to 90 children and their families every week, five days a week. 
And it continues to be a legacy blessing for our community, for sure. And our youth and our children still use this space for God's glory. And, and those groups continue to grow and get back to healthier sizes. But still, as a church pastor, I would love to see us give sacrificially to pay this thing down so that then we can turn our eyes to doing even more good in our community and in our world than we already are. I mean, we got a great mission team that's doing a lot of great things, but we could do a lot more. And it's your faithfulness that has gotten us this far. It's your faithfulness that will help us get to a place where we can be that blessing for God's glory in Jesus Christ and really seize the reins and say, we are a mission-oriented church and we want to do as much mission for God's glory as we can. Because we are a people that believe it's not about our stuff. That's not where our life is. Our life is learning how to be rich toward God. Amen? So to close with one more example, Mother Teresa has a wonderful example. And say I've been reading her devotion this year. She tells this story of one of the poorest families in India. And listen how this family is rich toward God. She says, I'll never forget the night an old gentleman came to our house and said that there was a family with eight children and they had not eaten. And so would we do something for them? So I took some rice and went there. The mother took the rice from my hands, then she divided it in two and went out. And I could see the faces of her eight children shining with hunger. When she came back, I asked her where she had gone. She gave me a simple answer. They are hungry also. And they were the family next door. She knew that they were hungry. I was not surprised that she gave, but I was surprised that she knew. And this is something that is so beautiful to see. The shining happiness in the face of that mother who had the love to share. I had not the courage to ask her how long her family hadn't eaten, but I'm sure it must have been a long time. And yet she knew in her suffering, in her sorrow, in her terrible bodily suffering, she knew that next door they were hungry also. So do we know what our neighbor needs? Do we know when our neighbor needs love? Do we know that our neighbor needs care? As the example of this family shows, God will never forget us. And there is something you and I can always do. Wow. A family that hadn't eaten for a week still has a heart that is rich toward God and saying, I'll take half of this and share it with my neighbors who need it just as much as me. That's what it means to live a blessed life. So may the Lord in his grace help us do it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together today. It's not easy being generous and sharing. 
We often like our stuff so much. But Lord, don't let it spoil in our lives. Teach us today how to take steps of being rich toward you, of making storehouses in heaven rather than temporary ones here on earth, storehouses that come through generosity and sharing. And Lord, for those who this morning, they continue to struggle with uh, debt and other things in their own life and trying to navigate that and figure that out, and our church, as we navigate and figure it out, Lord, help us find a plan to tighten our belts a bit, to make better choices, and to find a way to pay down that debt more so that we can be free, free to be blessed, and free to be a blessing and share with those who need it most around us. Lord, this is the kind of people I want to be and we want to be. We pray, help us do it in Jesus' name. Amen.